0: Yes, God, tonight we just do bow down. We bow down in front of a loving God. We bow down in front of our loving Savior. And we say thank you. We say thank you for everything that you're doing, God. God, we confess that we give you all the glory and all the praise. We give you all the adoration for what you're doing. Because God, we're not worthy. You allow us to take part in what you've planned. You allow us to engage with you in your plans. You allow us to follow your leading. So, God, just as we gather around your word now, God, we pray that you just speak to us. We pray that you just speak to your servants. Speak to your friends. Speak to your sons and daughters. In the name of Jesus, we ask that you just come in the power of the Holy Spirit and just re-anoint our lives God with purpose, with meaning with your love because it's your love that will set us on fire, it's your love that will transform this world so God set us on fire with your love It's funny, Margaret, you were saying there about um, coincidence. And I don't really believe in coincidence, but I believe that God speaks um, and God speaks to all of us. So on Thursday morning, as Kelvin and I were praying, um, we, we were joined by Christine. And everything that we had been praying about in the, in the lead up to Christine coming, whenever Christine came, she shared something which God had put in her heart. And it fell fully in line with exactly what Kelvin and I were speaking about. So some people could have racked that up to coincidence, but we don't, do we? Because we believe in a God that speaks. We believe in a God that speaks clearly and plainly. And that's something that we can celebrate tonight. So it's not a coincidence that you prepared something to share tonight that, um, that fit in perfectly with what I said this morning. Because that's the God that we work with, the God who speaks and the God who's, um, who's clear. And not only is he clear, he's consistent. That's our God. Our God's a consistent God. He's someone that we can rely on. And tonight, we are going to look through Romans 9. We're going to continue this journey together. And now, I did look at splitting up Romans 9 into a couple of different sermons, but then I thought we'd miss out on an overarching theme um, throughout Romans 9. because. Uh, uh, so, we'll, we'll go through the whole chapter tonight. So, I'm actually going to start by reading the whole chapter just so that we can see it in its full context. And then we can work through just a few um, teachings that I've gleaned from Romans chapter 9. So if you want to turn to Romans chapter 9, verse 1, it says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that... I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs the divine glory, their the covenant, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, It is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this is how the promise was stated. At the appointed time I will return, and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebecca's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger, just as as it was written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What if God, or, what if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy? whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles, as he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people. I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Lo, the number of Israelites be like the sand of the sea. Only the remnant will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence on the earth with speed and finality. Just, it is just as Isaiah said previously, Unless the Lord Almighty has left us descendants, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. What shall we say? What land shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it, not by faith, but as, it, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written, See, I lay in Zion, a stone that causes people to stumble, a rock that makes them fall, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. As I was saying, whenever I read that, I know I read a lot there. I know there was a lot to take in in that. I just found that I couldn't separate it into different sermons. I just found that God was leading me to speak to it as a whole because when you look at it as a whole, you could take extracts out of it and actually misinterpret a lot of what uh, what is said just by taking extracts out. But whenever you look at the overarching message of it, you see, it starts with um, the Apostle Paul writing about his heart breaking so much. His heart was breaking so much that he actually wished he could give up his salvation. So he would actually spend eternity in hell, so that the people of Israel could actually know Jesus, could actually know the salvation. You see, they were they were given everything. They were, it was handed to them in a plate. All the knowledge about God was given to the Israelites. It says in verse four and five how they were giving everything. If you read verse four and five, it says the people of Israel theirs is the adoption to sonship, theirs is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple and the promise, the temple worship and the promises. theirs are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. See, God had given them everything. God had even brought the Messiah through their family lines. You see, people, the people knew that much about God that they forgot about actually being sons of God, being part of God's family that comes through faith. See, Abraham himself... This goes back to Abraham, the, the, the founder of their faith. Abraham himself, he knew that he was meant to have a son because God had told him. God had told him that, you know, look up to the stars. Can you count the stars? No, that's how many descendants you're going to have. Look at the, the grains of sand. Can you count them? No, that's how many descendants you're going to have. He had these promises from God. So he, using his earthly eyes, being of old age, him and Sarah, I think Sarah was in her 80s, at this point, and they were looking around going, well, I'm too old to have it now. I'm too old to have a child. I'm too old for the impossible. I'm too old for God to use me. That's what Sarah was thinking, really. So she actually then convinced a human problem for a spiritual promise. So they actually, he actually she actually then gave Abraham her servant girl. And he slept with her and had a son. See, she tried to make a solution, but the thing is, God brought them back and said, no, that, that, that's not the promise I gave you. That's not what I have given you. I, I want to give you my answer to what I've given you. See, how often do we do this? How often do we look through our human eyes at spiritual problems, at spiritual issues, at things, and we think, you know what, this is going to be impossible. This is impossible for God to do. And that's, in essence, what Abraham was saying. See, God frustrates us, though, because he doesn't give us exact formulas to follow. It's not X and Y equals Z every time. It's not A and B equals C every time. It would be so much easier if we had the exact formula to say so that we knew if we prayed over someone in a certain way, for instance, if somebody had a bad knee and we prayed exact, this exact formula, way over that person their knee would be better every single time but that's not the way god works two people can have the exact same issue and can come before god and one be healed and the other not this is why sometimes we 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 have to remember and always strip it back to coming to god in with faith filled eyes with faith filled hearts going god speak see the people of israel and took all the teachings that God had given them and all the, all the lessons that their, their, the patriarchs of their faith, all the people that um, inspired them in their faith, they took all the lessons that they learned of living by faith with God and made it into a religion, made it into something to be followed, made it into rules and regulations. They wanted to use logic. And God, is, God as much as God, there's a lot of logic with God, God sometimes breaks logic to impact individuals. That's why we call it supernatural, because it's beyond the natural. It's beyond what we know. It's beyond what we can fit in our boxes. That's why we believe in the God of the supernatural. And that's why we need to be children of the promise, not children of the law. We need to be uh, children of faith, not children that follow the rules as such. Because sometimes God doesn't follow the rules. Now, I'm not on about going out and doing something wrong. I'm on about just the way we live our lives with God. So when we pray for healing, we should always pray in faith. See, we need to come in faith before God and then listen to what he says. Because Jesus didn't do the same miracle the same way every single time. So when he fed the 5,000, he did it a different way than when he fed the 4,000. It was totally different ways. But it was in essence the same miracle. This is why we need to come to God and expect Him to lead us and speak to us in ways that will actually be full of faith, be full of risk, be full of following Him and trusting Him. So, does it mean that every time you pray, you know, you're going to see healings? No, because we don't know really the real reasons behind what is going on. But what we do do is we entrust them to God. We entrust them to the one who knows. We, I'm sure we all have different people in our lives who can give testimony to God's goodness, to God healing them in some way or fashion. But yet there's other people in our lives with the exact same condition that haven't been healed. See, we don't know um, why God has or hasn't done certain things. But it comes back to trust in God, we have to remember who God is. See, in Matthew 7, verse 9 to 11, it teaches us a little bit, a little glimpse of who God is. It says, which of you, if if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? That's a glimpse into who God is. God is a good, good Father. Um, There's a song, Good, Good Father, that we do sing. God is a good Father. And he knows our needs. So even though we do present sometimes and we always present in faith because we want God to be the God of the miraculous, we want God to touch people, we want God to heal people, we want God to move in people's lives, Whatever form of, um, that takes. We just want that. The thing is, we, we have to come to God with fresh eyes every single time. We have to come to God with faithful and fresh eyes and listen to the promise. Listen to what he says, because he says he's going to be with us. But we, we faithfully pray in the name of Jesus every single time. See, sometimes we can look and we can question God and we can question why he did it. It says, it talks there about um, why would we question the potter? Why did you make me like this? See, we, sometimes we look at parts of, of who we are. We look at the way we're made. We look at the makeup of us. We, we sometimes struggle with um, maybe some stuff that we do, some stuff that we choose to do. We always, Sometimes we struggle with health issues. Why do I have this condition? Sometimes we struggle with with whatever it is. And sometimes we question God, going, God, if only I didn't have this. And there's even an instance where the Apostle Paul says that he prayed about this thorn that he had in the flesh. It doesn't tell us what it is. And I think that's a good thing, that we don't know what the Apostle Paul struggled with. Because sometimes we just have a thorn in the flesh, and no matter how many times we pray, God, remove it. It's not removed. See, I struggled whenever I was younger because I really, really hated being colorblind. I'm partial colorblind across the spectrum. That's why I never chose the colors for, of this room because, trust me, you wouldn't want to. Actually, Oliver, uh, my artist friend who was here a couple of weeks ago, um, after I had painted my room in the house that he moved into, he walked into the room and went, I can tell you're colorblind. That's how how obvious it is to somebody with a learned eye. But you see, the thing is, I'm convinced that I know that I wouldn't be here right now if I hadn't have been colorblind. Because I had all these plans for what I wanted to do in my life. Whenever I was in school, I was convinced and I was obsessed with becoming a pilot in the RAF. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a fighter pilot or a helicopter pilot. I wanted to be, you know, out there in the front line. You know, um, flying, my, flying my machine and helping the troops and, and doing all of, the, all of these things. That's what I was convinced that I wanted to do with my life. And then they turned around to me and said, No, you're colorblind, so you're never going to be a pilot in the RAF. So I was gutted. I had even joined the ATC, the Air Training Corps, um, you know, in the hopes that I could maybe slip in through the back door. But they, 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 there was a solid no. Because that's what, that's what you do when you're younger, you think, oh, okay, but well, you know what, I really loved my time in the ATC, um, you know, it was amazing. And then I thought, you know what, okay, I can't do it maybe for the RAF, but maybe they'll let me just fly jumbo jets and commercial planes and stuff like that. No, they wouldn't let me do that too, because of the extremities of my color blindness. because it's across the whole spectrum, I would said No. So I was like, oh, okay, okay. what else am I interested in? Electronics, I like electronics. Let's become a refrigeration engineer. No, I couldn't do that, colorblind. I was like, oh, my word, what am I going to do, electrician? No, colorblind. So I was like, okay, and I went to give up on everything. And I was like, right, I'm just going to become a bricklayer, because it doesn't take a lot of (laughs) common sense to be a bricklayer. And And then I found out, no, 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 actually, I'm actually quite interested in plumbing. So I went down the plumbing line, became a plumber. And then the rest of my story unfolds from there. But that all came from me struggling with the fact that I was colorblind and struggling through that and questioning God. And he was like, and I was even going, God, why did you make me like this? I'm not doing what I'm passionate about. I'm not doing what I care about. But yet God had a different plan for my life. God had a different path for me to follow. And sometimes that's the way we are. We turn to God and we question, "Why did You do that? Why did You make me the glad? Why did You allow that to happen? Why did I have to go through that situation? Why am I even in the middle of this situation? Why do I have to have this? Or why am I suffering, suffering with this illness or that illness?" And we sometimes question God. But I want to encourage you this evening: just give it to God. Give it to God and say, "God." I know this is a bad thing, but God, just use me in the middle of this situation. Use me as I struggle with this. In essence, it brings us back to chapter 8, whenever we read in Romans eight twenty-eight, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those that love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's what we need to remember Throughout all of these trials, throughout all of these situations that we have to walk through. See, we are called according to His purposes, not according to ours, not according to the plans we have made. Because sometimes, like myself when I was a young boy, I had made all these plans. This is what I want to do. And then I changed my plans to something else, and God was like, But you're not really listening to me. And again and again and again, I kept changing my plans, but not asking God, What did you plan for me? See, that's the key. We need to work out His purposes in our life. We need to work out what is the will of God. And I think this is what this passage is bringing us back to, that we have to choose to follow God. We have to choose to be sons and daughters of faith, not sons and daughters of the law. Because we're not meant to follow all the rules and regulations. We're not meant to stick to a strict code of this is what it's meant to be. We're meant to come to God every time in faith going, God What do you want to do? God, how are you going to use me in this situation? And even though XYZ worked the last time, God's saying, no, do ABC this time. You know, we need to trust God. We need to trust that whatever he asks us to do in faith, that as we step out in faith and follow his leading, that he will actually lead us to where we're meant to be. See, it's not through the rules that we're going to see the world transformed. It's actually through taking steps of faith. I've, always, I've heard it said before that faith is sometimes spelt R-I-S-K. Are you willing to risk stepping out in faith? Are you willing to risk something? Are you willing to even risk looking foolish? See, a lot of the times we don't want to risk. I think we don't want to risk being looking foolish. We don't want to risk... Um, you know, praying for that person that's got um, a sore knee that we run into because we're afraid of, uh, of nothing happening? I don't know about you, but that's a concern for me. Like, I'm going to look foolish if nothing happens here. But do you look at risk and, and then you, you see that fear in essence? And does that fear paralyze you and stop you from doing something? Or does it encourage you to take the step of faith? Because fear can do one of two things. It can either drive you or it can paralyze you. I don't want to be someone that's paralyzed by fear. I want to be someone that's driven by the fear that I have to overcome it. So I, I'm, so I, don't need, I know I don't need to be afraid. Does it mean it's going to be easier the next time? No. But you know what? We need to keep risking. We need to keep risking ourselves, risking, our, in essence, our reputation. The guy that started the vineyard movement he prayed for over a thousand people before he seen the first healing. But he believed God spoke to him very clearly, saying, Go and pray for people for healing. Go and pray for people that you will see that, that, that I will move in their lives and pray that they'll be healed in the name of Jesus. So he did, and he did, and he did. And I don't know about you, but I probably would have got disheartened after number of 100. I don't know, would I have made it even to hundred before I, you know, you know before I, I give up? The thing is we have to keep holding on to the promises of God. We have to keep holding on to the character of God. See the thing, our our God's character is totally consistent. It's totally consistent. The way he does things changes, but the character of who he is is solid as a rock. That's the firm the foundation we build our lives on. That's why we look. whenever we look at Jesus, we see him doing the same miracles different ways. Sometimes for blind people, he just prays. Another time, he, he spat in their eyes. Another time, he made mud and then rubbed the mud in their eyes. This is, what, this is why we, we need to listen to what God's doing in any situation and respond. So you might want to share the love of Jesus with your friend. Will the same method reach everybody? No, we have to use different methods and different, different ways of speaking to the people around us. That's the encouragement we have. Our God is an individual God. Our God is a personal God. A God is a God that knows what's going to reach us. A friend of mine said, uh, uh, said to me a couple of months ago that he was really struggling um, because he hadn't seen God move in a mighty and powerful way in his life. You know, he he obviously knows, he's a Christian, he knows the presence of God, he knows the power of God, but he's like, I haven't seen a miracle. I haven't, like, whenever somebody's prayed for me, I haven't um, went out in the spirit, on the ground. I haven't been, you know, I haven't been able to pray for someone and see a healing. But I know this guy really struggles, and he's very obsessive and compulsive. And I know that if if he's seen something like that, he would, he would want to do that every single time. And then he'd feel that there's something wrong with him if, some, if God didn't move every time he did every time he prayed for someone. So so I know that God's protecting him in that way. That's the way God speaks to him. He speaks to him in in different ways. He speaks to him through consistency and through routine and through the teachings that, that he's taught him over the years. He isn't doing the supernatural with him just because at this moment in time. I know he'd struggle with it. I know he, he'd feel inadequate in his faith if something happened and then it stopped happening. But as we know, God is a God that does things different ways. So this is the thing. God will come to you exactly where you are with your worries, with your fears, with your concerns, and actually teach you through it. He'll guide you through this. Cause the joy is this wasn't thing this wasn't something that was kept exclusively for the Jews. That's the good news for us because we're Gentiles. It wasn't kept exclusively. But now, as it says in verse 30, it says, What then shall we say that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it? A righteousness that is by faith. The righteousness of God is now available to all of us because it was first only available to the Jews, then the Gentiles and, the, and to the ends of the world. That's, that's us. We now have heard about God, and we can follow God, and we are descendants of Abraham because of the faith. Isaac was the son of faith. Whenever you look back at the story of Abraham and Isaac, not Abraham and Ishmael, Ishmael was the human solution, but then God came whenever they were a very old age, and he said, now I'm going to work a miracle. Now I'm going to do something that you know it's me and it's got to be me. And that's the God that we have that that fulfills the promises that he speaks over us. He promises he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He promises to give us this righteousness, but by faith, not by our human endeavors, not by anything that we can do, but by believing in the word of God by trusting in His words over our lives. I pray that today, that tonight, that you'll go home filled full of faith for what God can do with you and what God can do through me. That's what we have to be. We have to be children of faith. We have to know that by faith, we can follow God. The same way as all of these patriarchs throughout the Old Testament if you want to know all about them, read through Hebrews 11. I, I think it's 11. It is 11, yes. Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, by faith, by faith. If you want to be inspired to have faith, read through all of them chapters. Because I think it's 11 and 12. It, goes, it even goes through into 12, talking about by faith, this is what people did. I, I pray that today, by faith, you will follow God that you will choose today to serve God with all that you have, even if you feel like a piece of pottery which is not formed correctly, (laughs) in our opinion, may we look to the potter, the person that formed us, God who formed us the way we are, and say, God, come and use me. Let's just pray together. God, We just want to bring all of our flaws, all of our cracks, all of the things that we have, God, all the things that we even don't have. We come and lay them at your feet, saying, God, come and use us. God, come and enable us to continue to have faith in you, continue to have faith in what you have done in us and what you want to do through us. God, thank you that it's not an easy formula to follow you it's not a and b equals c but thank you god that you do the miraculous that actually that absolutely dumbfounds us you can do the same thing a thousand different ways and god you choose not to just step in in a in in crazy and ridiculous ways but you choose to use us which if anything is probably slightly more crazy that you choose to use us you choose to use these broken vessels of our lives to actually witness to the whole world that you love it, that you love every single person, that you died for every single person, that you want the whole world to know that they can have a relationship with a loving God, that if we repent, if we say we're sorry for what we've done, you can come in and transform a broken and messed up life and give it hope and purpose and meaning, God, we pray for all of our family and friends that we know of, that our hearts break over, God, that aren't walking with you, that don't know you, that don't know your loving touch. God, we give them to you. And God, we say that if you can use anything that we can do to influence them and to show them the love of God, we pray that you just use us, God. May we take the step of faith in sharing or doing whatever you ask us to do. God, thank you that as we step out in faith, you meet us at that point. You meet us at that moment when we step out in faith. Because faith, even the smallest amount of faith, faith the size of a mustard seed, can move a mountain. That's the faith that we're meant to have, mountain-moving faith. So even though some things may seem impossible, nothing with you, God, is impossible. So, God, we just want to thank you for all that you're doing, for all that you've done, and for all that you're going to do. God, we want to celebrate the victories that we do see that's going to happen by faith in our friends' and families' lives, that all of them will come to a saving knowledge of a loving God, that all of them will be walking in tune with you, that all of them will be walking faithful lives and sharing what you've done in their lives. God, we long to see them being disciples of Jesus. So, God, we just say, come, Yahweh, come and use us. Come and give us the faith to follow you, even when it's hard. So, God, take us home from here in your peace and your love. Let us know that you surround us. Let us know how great you are. But thankfully, it's not about us It's not about anything we have done or we haven't done. It's about honouring you with every moment of every day and just saying, come and use us, broken vessels that just shine the glory of God through our cracks. In Jesus' name.